Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's been the conversation today as we talk about Mike Bobo becoming the new UGA offensive coordinator. He's been here, done that. But as Mike has laid out so eloquently today, different circumstances, different situation. Is he right? Let's talk some dogs. Dukes and Bell on the sidelines with the dogs. The dog report is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, a proud partner of the Georgia Bulldogs. All right, our guy Connor Riley from Dog Nation is here. He's with us all year long. He does an amazing job of covering the dogs. He said it. Offseason, it just doesn't stop. And now we finally get a decision with Munkin. I want to start there before we talk about Bobo and ask you. You've been saying this all along, Connor. You said you felt like he was going to go back to the NFL. Why the Ravens, do you think? What's the deal there? He interviewed for a couple of different jobs um, because this is where he ends up now. He's going to be the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. Yeah, I think the big thing is he wanted offensive control at that NFL level. He wasn't looking to go back just to be an offensive coordinator in, in name only. He wants to be a play caller. Uh, his last year in the NFL as an offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. He was not the play caller, and needless to say, it didn't go very well. Uh, I think with Baltimore, look, it's an intriguing fit. Obviously, they have to figure out what they're going to do with Lamar Jackson, but if you look at the offensive personnel they have, I think two of the better skill players are tight ends and Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. We saw what Munkin is able to do with a tight end heavy offense in Georgia, running it through Brock Bowers, and there is some level of talent on the Ravens offense. And look, if, if Lamar Jackson comes back, great. You've got one of the five or six best quarterbacks in the NFL at your disposal, able to use him effectively. If, for example, the Ravens trade Lamar Jackson, let's say the Falcons give up three first-round picks and trade, you sort of allow Munkin to, to reshape that offense more so in his image. So, yes, there's some question about what's going to happen next with Lamar Jackson, but I think the either-or scenario is there. Either you have Lamar Jackson or you have a new look offense re- rebuilt around more draft picks, I think makes it an appealing job to Munkin. And above all else, he is going to be the sole play caller there. He's not going to have to worry about John Harbaugh meddling in and having ideas there. And so that offensive freedom is going to be very important and a big reason why Munkin ends up taking the offensive coordinator job with the Baltimore Ravens. Connor, how much was Mike Bobo involved with Todd Munkin? And what was his job? I know we hear consulting, but what was his, like, in a day-to-day with the game plan? How involved was he with the quarterbacks? With coaching the quarterbacks, maybe not as much as we might think. I think the big thing with Monk, or with Bobo, rather, was play design, working out third down plays, working out red zone area execution, things along that. Uh, he, Bo, or Munkin, during when we got to talk to him in the month of December, was quick to credit Mike Bobo with some of the play designs that we saw work out against both LSU and Ohio State, and then obviously 
in the national championship game against TCU there. But Bo has a long history of working with quarterbacks, developing quarterbacks. And I understand the trepidation that some Georgia fans might have out there, but I think Mike has done a good job of laying this out there. It's just, it's a totally different job that he steps into than even the last time he was here in 2014, where I mind you, with Hudson Mason at quarterback, with Todd Gurley only playing six games, with one NFL offensive lineman who went on to be a fifth-round pick, Mm. and I guess you could count David Andrews, who's still playing in the NFL right now there as well, but the larger point there, that offense was nowhere near as talented and actually averaged more points per game than the Georgia offense did last season. So I know, you know, things didn't work out as a head coach at Colorado State. He was a one-and-done at both Auburn and South Carolina. But there's so much talent that he has at his disposal at Georgia right now. I find it hard to believe that he's not going to find some way to be successful. Why does Kirby go with him? I think familiarity is a big part of it. Look, Georgia's trying to win a third straight national championship, and Bobo was in the building this past season. He knows what Georgia has to work with. He knows that personnel well. And, look, in a day and age where college football is changing a lot, you know, NIL, transfer portal, uh, the college game has become less and less attractive. I know I heard earlier call, you know, Bobo's not the perfect hire. Who is? Look at some of the coordinators on the offensive side of the ball that have been hired recently. Alabama fans weren't all that excited about Tommy Reese coming from Notre Dame. Notre Dame can't do better than, try, than, than trying to get Utah's offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig. Uh, Miami hires Shannon Dawson out of Houston. There just aren't a lot of big-name offensive coordinator types out there in college football right now. And I think the way that college football has gone it, it is because of that. And so in bringing Bobo back, you bring back a guy who I think further doubles down on what has made Georgia successful these last few years. And sure, maybe you're getting high off your own supply, but the culture that has been with what Georgia has been doing, it's how they've been winning. And I think Bobo gets that. He understands that. I think going forward, continuity is going to be an even bigger selling point for Georgia because I don't think Will Muschamp or Mike Bobo are ever really leaving to go anywhere else, and they're going to be at Georgia for the long haul. And those two guys, your coordinators, were Georgia alums who like being around Athens. That makes Georgia and Kirby Smart all the more attractive to come play for it is our man, Connor Riley. It's K. Connor Riley on Twitter from Dog Nation. Give us the update as Mike Bobo was announced earlier today. We kind of knew that one was coming. What is the quarterback room going to look like? I know Carson Beck may be the first amongst equals. Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton. Who's going to leave? Who do you think is going to stay? How's that going to play out over the next spring into the summer? Yeah, I think the big thing to watch is does one of these quarterback leaves, and there's no point in avoiding the elephant in the room. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in seeing what Brock Vandergriff ultimately ends up doing. I think Carson Beck right now is sort of seen as the favorite to be the starter, but I think the the coordinator change here maybe does level the playing field a little bit in terms of they are going to have to learn new verbiage, a little bit of a new system, but not not, not something structurally different than what we've seen. It's not going to be something like where Munkin came in and and replaced and revamped everything that James Coley was doing. There are going to be a lot of similar concepts that Georgia's running. One interesting thing to note, though, and it's the third quarterback, at least in terms of age right now, Gunnar Stockton. When Mike Bobo was the offensive coordinator at South Carolina, Stockton, who was a five-star quarterback at that point in the process, elected to commit to South Carolina. There are deep ties between Stockton and the Bobo family here. And I know a lot of people in that building were really impressed with the way Gunnar Stockton came in last year and worked and put in the work, really impressed a lot of his teammates here. And I think, you know, maybe Carson Beckett probably still ends up being the starter this year. But long term, I think the Mike Bobo, Gunnar Stockton marriage is certainly something to watch as both those two develop and grow into their roles. It's a great point. I'm glad you uh, pointed it out to us because, again, relationships matter. And, and, again, you have to work for the job. But if he's already got the respect of a lot of people, 
you have to believe with the new coordinator who may be in his corner, he might have a better shot at potentially getting more playing time. Connor Riley, Dog Nation, joining us here. Are there any other coaching changes that we need to be aware of? Obviously, none bigger than this, but outside of this, right, the staff is back. Yeah, the staff is back. Munkin is the only departure. I, I think at this point in the coaching uh, carousel, Georgia's not going to have a whole lot more attrition. And you look at last year, bring in new offensive line coach, Stacey Sarles, bring in Brian McClendon to be the wide receivers coach, who both had previously coached at Georgia and worked with Todd Munkin. Fran Brown was someone who I thought might get some consideration for the Nebraska job, given his ties with Matt Rule. And I say Nebraska job, I mean the defensive coordinator job, but they end up keeping him and keeping him around for another year. Obviously, Muschamp and Schumann are back. A lot of the coaching staff that Kirby Smart, I think, routinely praised throughout the year as being a very special staff, is back for another year. And with Bobo in there, I think it's more of building the same culture that has worked for Georgia before, and it's won them two straight national championships, and they're betting on it to win them a third national championship. And earlier I heard Carl, you know, concern about, is this the right hire for Georgia? I'll say this about Kirby Smart. One, I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt to make this kind of hire, given how successful he has run the Georgia program. I don't think there's any doubting that he's doing what he believes is best for Georgia. Two, if for some reason the Mike Bobo hire does not work out, I don't expect Kirby Smart to keep him around simply because he is a friend. I thought in 2019, I thought maybe James Coley was going to get a second year as an offensive coordinator, maybe get another year in the system. Kirby Smart said, no, we're, I, I understand what Coley brings as a recruiter. I understand what he means to the staff. We're going to go out there and try and get better because the goal isn't to try and win 11 games and get to a sugar bowl. The goal is to try and win 15 games and win another national championship. And if Mike Bobo is not holding up his end of the rope, I don't think Kirby Smart is going to hesitate in the slightest to go out there and make a change to better that Georgia offense. But I don't expect that to necessarily happen, and I do think Bobo is going to show why he's worthy of being Georgia's offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I think we, we mentioned it earlier. It's not a knock on Mark Rick, but, you know, he raised the bar from where you were with Donnan. And then but it, remember Georgia fans were like, well, when things got bad, well, it was, you know, he's, he's still our coach. And no, now there is no, let's be honest, Connor, the entire energy and vibe at Athens has completely changed. Spent $4.5 million on recruiting. The bar has been so raised, mediocrity is not tolerated, and I just thought it wasn't the total package. You touched on some of the volume of the roster, how completely different it was. Now almost everybody goes to the NFL draft. This team is built, this thing's on rails. So I guess Bobo just became, I'm not saying a scapegoat, but because I, I use the phrase the margin of error was so slim under some of those Mark Rick teams, especially like the six and seven year, that Bobo took a lot of heat. When there were a lot of issues on the other side of the ball defensively. Yeah, I think margin of error there is a great term, Mike. Georgia just operates with such a talent gap over every team they go out there and play. And one thing, in bringing in Mike Bobo back to Georgia, I think he's going to, you know, as hard as this might be believed, further help recruiting. Look, Todd Munkin was not a recruiter. That was not what he was brought here to do, and that's fine. I think with Mike Bobo, you're going to open some doors that maybe weren't necessarily open before. And the player development, which I think we'd all sit here and agree, Kirby Smart has shown us. It is about the players. It is about the Jimmys and Joes and not necessarily the X's and O's. Georgia's going to have a talent advantage over just about every team they step on the field against. And, and you do that, you're going to win yourself a lot of games, and you develop the way Georgia has continued to do so with guys like Brock Bowers, with guys like Stetson Bennett, even guys like Kenny McIntosh, which were overlooked by programs like Alabama and Ohio State. When you turn those guys into pros, as Georgia has continued to do, I think you're going to just continue to sort of keep it in a windmill circle where – you, have, you send a lot of players to the draft. That attracts a lot of recruits. Recruits come and play to you. Those recruits then develop into draft picks. And eventually the wheel just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. 
until Kirby Smart one day decides he doesn't want to be coach anymore, which with the hiring of Mike Bobo, one of his longtime friends, to go along with Will Muschamp, I think is going to be quite some time from now. I just want to be clear because I'm looking back and seeing all these great picks of Bobo and being a player, and Kirby takes pride in having played at Georgia and obviously Muschamp, and you're telling us if it don't go right, he's willing to be cutthroat and move on. That's what you're saying. I, I, yes, I think we've seen from Kirby before, if a hire does not work out, and I understand, look, it's different when it's with your friends. Yes, and <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Respect. I, I, I can understand that line of thinking. Mm. Kirby Smart is hardwired to win championships for the University of Georgia, and okay. I believe that, first and foremost, is his guiding principle each and every morning. And if Mike Bobo isn't getting it done, I don't believe Kirby Smart is going to hesitate. He hasn't shown a willingness to hesitate. We've seen multiple coaches, not just James Coley, have one-year stints here at Georgia where it doesn't work out. They move on and they find another place elsewhere. It's not working with Mike Bobo. Everything that I have seen from Kirby Smart, and I get it. You know, look, if I'm running a show, I hire my friends. You know, you, you get it. You want to work with people you'd like to be around. Sure. But at the end of the day, Kirby Smart is wired differently than a lot of us. That's why he's the head coach of Georgia. That's why they pay him $10 million a year. That's why he's won two straight national championships. And I fundamentally believe that if things don't go right with Bobo, and I understand why you might have reservations, I don't say just you call, but the, the Georgia fan out right. there in general, yeah. I understand if you have reservations, Kirby Smart is still going to do what is best for the University of Georgia. And I think right now, with the way we saw the offensive coordinator market play out in college football this year, right. I think he believes that Mike Bobo was the best available offensive coordinator hire for what Georgia wants to be going forward. Hey, real quick, before we cut you loose, Connor, I saw him posting photos from inside the Buttsmere building. I know it still has to be adjudicated, and there's always two sides to every story. Rara Thomas's future with the Bulldogs. He's going to be okay? Are there still did the Georgia football program knows things the, the public doesn't know about this? Yeah, there's still, again, I expect Rara Thomas, the fact that he's still a member of the team, the fact that he is working out with the team, he is still there. Now there might be some suspension down the line uh, as far as he might miss a game or two. But I expect Rara Thomas to be in uniform for Georgia for the majority of this season. And while the legal process is still playing out, Georgia still believes it has enough in Thomas to have him as a member of this team. Great job, Connor. And by the way, what you just laid out previously about, about Kirby, that's what makes him so good. You cannot yep. have these emotional problems that play into decision-making and you're saying he does a great job of separating those. And I think a lot of dog fans were curious about the question I asked. Are you sure? And I do agree with you. I think it's what makes him great. Great job, man. We appreciate you jumping on a day early with this news today with Bobo and, and Todd Monk. And we wanted to talk to you. So appreciate you. Yeah, as always, it's a pleasure, Mike and Carl. All right, See you. Take care. That's Connor Riley. Um, you you got to be cutthroat. Right. It's winning above all things. Right. It just is. We could talk about this with Nate. We could talk about it with Coach Art. All of our coaches, Snit, it's winning above everything else. And sometimes when your friends get in the way of your friendships, you got to go, dude, I love you. You made a lot of money. You're going to make more money. Can't be here. And coaches have a hard time doing that, Mike, when their guys are next to them. But he made a good point. We, we, Coley was here and gone so quick. We forgot about him. We did Shaney and Coley. Remember that? Look, I get it. I know where you're coming from. There's a lot of bad history because some bad football teams, but Mike Bobo was not the, the guy only to blame, Carl, on those Mark Rick squads that didn't get the jobs done. All right, coming up, Hawks lose to Charlotte. LaMelo ball goes off, and we don't play any. Dukes and Bell, the Raiders release Derek Carr before the deadline. They were going to owe him $40 million in guaranteed money. 
Um, so that we knew that was going to happen, but they cut Derek Carr today. Um, mm. He declined to waive his no trade clause, and they were like, "Okay, well, that's we got to do. What we got to do." So they'll take a small hit, but at the end of the day, they don't owe him forty million dollars. He's not going to be the quarterback of the future for them, and he becomes the first big domino, Mike. When you talk about quarterback market, because he can go wherever he wants, right? And that may change teams to may be interested in trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers. All this stuff we've been talking about. We're going to talk about our Hawks here, but that news is coming down. Yeah, man. And uh, now he's going to make his deal. I don't really want him with the Saints, though. You know, I, I don't mm. want them getting an upgrade. And Bobby Abear said, you know, like for what it's worth, the Red Rifle wasn't too bad. You know, Andy Dalton didn't do actually a bad job for them, but uh, Derek Carr is certainly a guy that would be the, the first dude after Aaron Rodgers everybody would be talking to. All right, I think we're going to be doing this exercise over the next few weeks, so get used to it. Mm. But we are currently in the eighth spot in the NBA Eastern Conference. I'm talking about our Atlanta Hawks. So the Celtics, Bucks, 76ers, Cavaliers, Nets, Heat, Knicks, who are in town tomorrow, and Mike and I will be down at State Farm Arena bringing you the show starting at 2 o'clock and uh, Knicks pregame uh, against the Knicks starting at 7, tips at 7.30. But, Mike, with the games we have remaining, and we're, we're 500. It's where we've been. Right. We've been in a game below or a game mm-hmm. above, whatever. But we're 29 and 29. And, and the process that we're going to go through is at what point in this schedule – are we going to do something that makes you feel like this team is going to at least get into the top six? That makes you not have to play in the play-in tournament. The top four thing, I think, Mike, it's a reach at this point. That's how I feel. No, we're not getting there. I mean, our only shot is to get to where Miami is. Miami right now, guys, is the number six seed. They are three games ahead of us in the loss column. The Knicks are two games ahead of us in the loss column. They're 32-27. and 27. Heat are 32-26. and 26. And as you mentioned, we're 29-29. and 29. We got one more game before the All Star break, and this is when we're really going to get focused, Carl, and start playing some defense. And things are going to, yeah. Uh, this team is mediocre. <laughs> this team is what it is. To, to score 138 points and lose, it's like it's, you couldn't even imagine that's possible in 2023 in the NBA. You can't. Not ready to go. Well, we know, Nate. I mean, this is kind of what we've talked about all season long. That was like from the first week of the season. We are now at the All-Star break, and we're still playing Nate saying we weren't ready to go. Hunter's a little banged up. He gave you 21 last night. John Collins couldn't play. Uh, This one is getting really frustrating. 45 points combined from Trey (laughs) and DeJounte Murray. But the dude who just loves, and literally, Rozier must see us on the schedule and go, whoa. Oh, yeah. Let's go, baby. It's like he's got some kind of dinner on it or something. I don't know what the deal is. Let's hear Trey talk about the defense, Mike. Guys, we can score with anybody in the league. This is our Achilles right now. You cannot attempt to go into the playoffs and say we're going to win a seven-game series playing defense like this. Now, you can tell me. You guys can tell us, oh, well, Dukes and Bell, it was was a a Monday night. Mm -hmm. This is who they've been all season. Right. I mean – we're making Lonzo Ball look like everything his dad said he was going to be, right? I mean, how are you going to beat this? I'm going to say mellow. Know your balls, Carl. It's very important. Have good ball this discipline. Is, this is true. No, but, I mean, you look at the Celtics and you look at the teams that are going to be. Because even if you get to the sixth seed, you know, okay, then that's, you know, potential matchup with the Sixers. This is still looking right now like, you know, we're going to be in that play-in game. And the play-in game gets you where you have no rest. You're playing night after night. That's why everybody had to get on the plane. Steve Holman talked about it. You arrive in Miami at 4 o'clock, and then, boom, you're playing that night. And it looked like it. We got beaten five games. This is not the outcome. 
This is and, and I like I like Sidic Bay. I think Sidic Bay is going to learn more yeah. and get more comfortable. We said the same thing. If you watched, uh, there was a big hullabaloo about the Mavericks the other night because Kyrie and Luca. It's like you, me, me, you. Both guys are trying to help the guy get the last shot, and no last shot got off. It takes a minute to create that chemistry. But I like what Bay brings, and hopefully, Carl, he'll give you a bounce to win those games. Miami went six and four the last ten. We went five and five. We just need to win six out of seven, seven out of nine, and then we're in the playoffs, locked in. That's it. That's all you need to do. But they can't do it. it sounds like easy. It sounds, but it sounds so easy. All we need to do is win six or seven. Oh, wait, let me look and see how many times we've done that this season. We haven't. Again, 24 games left. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? This is Trey Young um, talking about, you know, they had the right mindset, but they did not execute last night. And he's right. At the end of the game, it got back mm-hmm. to what we always talk about. You felt like we should win, and we felt like we should win coming into the game. And I mean, we, our minds were right, but they—you they, gotta give them credit. I mean, when they hitting shots the way they are, I mean, 60% from the field and 54 from the threes. I mean, that's not good for us. But I mean, they hit some tough shots too, so we gotta be better. Yeah, but Trey, we left—not you specifically, right. but we as a team—we left them open too much. Right. Now there's no look. There, the one thing that I argue about all the time: there's no perimeter defense. Look, let's be honest. There's a lot of teams around the league that aren't playing great perimeter defense, and the only time you really see people get physical is when we get into the playoffs. But now, as you like to say, Dukesism, it's a nut-cutting time type thing. It is. You've got to get this defense on track. You you gave up 144 points, and the ball wasn't red, white, and blue, and it wasn't 1976. (laughs) I mean, Uh... mean, George Kirby did not play last night in this game. No, you got to control the basketball. And we, we didn't do that. 404-741-0929. Guy talks on the way. Falcon mm. reported 5 o'clock, guys. Also, our conversation with Alex Anthopoulos later in the show. He joined us yesterday to talk about spring training as guys are starting to report this week. Um, Trey, Playing at a slow pace. <laughs> yeah, we, we figured that out. Trey, did, he, did we already play this, that we need to be better on defense? Because we need to be better on defense. This is the star of our team saying mm-hmm. we need to be better. We're really good offense, and we can score on pretty much any teams. Our, our main focus is that defensive end. And we're not guarding anybody. We're not, we're not going to win any games. Scoring, giving them 144 points is way too much. We're not beating nobody in this league like that. So, uh, 138 is, is more than way more than average. So we got, we do always we usually do a pretty good job scoring. It's just we got to focus more on that defensive end. He's right. He's right. Mike, he's right. <laughs> do something. Who's gonna do something about it? This thing, this is so aggravating. I'm telling you, the Heat are ripe for the picking. You know, we got. By the way, huge. And here's another thing we just mentioned: you got the Heat, you got the Knicks, you got the Hawks. Huge game tomorrow night at the State Farm to beat the Knicks to to get in the position to leapfrog those guys. Uh, this this one is so exasperating. Just when you think you're starting to feel good about this team, and by the way, I, I didn't realize the Charlotte Hornets were like the freaking Harlem Globetrotters. Okay, what part of this am I missing? In the first quarter, you give up 50 points. How does that happen? And I said this earlier. Turtle literally texted us. I, I hadn't even sat down to eat dinner. And he's like, they're about to give up 148. And I'm like, come on. What, what's that? There's no way. Click, click. Oh, he's right. 404-741-0929. All right. And I know some of you are like, man, you guys are being negative about that. Right, well, there's 20, 24 games left. After tomorrow, 23 games left. And Chris, let's do the math. 23 12 and 9. 12 and 9? I mean, I'm doing the doing the math. 13 and 4. I mean, 23 games. Where does that get us? 19 and... No, you can't. This team can't do a 19 and 4 type run. 
Chris, what are you, we're going to play 500? We're going to be the, we're going to be the eighth seed. Yeah, that's we're going to be right where we are right now. Uh, Base if past is prologue, that's where we're going. All right, plenty more to get to. If you're just joining us, Todd Munkin takes the job to become the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. He leaves the dogs. Mike Bobo has been elevated. He becomes the new offensive coordinator for the dogs. What's old is new again. Hmm. More on that coming up. Mike, what do we got coming up in Guy Talk? Hey, man, Aaron Rodgers says, Schefter, Rappaport, you guys are fake news. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Time for fun. <laughs> it's time for guy talk. <laughs> it's time for shenanigans. Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, appreciate you being patient with me this week, Carl. The voice is weak, Godfather. It's weak. I've been struggling with this latest respiratory issue. Turned out my doctor said, yes, I did get uh, the, the cough from the dog. I got kettle cough from Mike. Mm. And the meds are working now. But, of course, I'm, I'm losing the ability to scratch my own nuts. I was going to say. It's kind of an issue. It's a win, but, uh, win-lose what? situation. But, yeah, so I'm getting better. I'm on meds today. So we, there's a, it's been a theme this week. A lot of drugs on me. Not on you, Carl, but just on this side of the, on this side of the broadcast studio. As long as you're getting better. But thanks for your pace. I hate to sound like Frank Pantangeli. Hey. Uh, all right, a couple of things. Last night, uh, if you hadn't seen this, it was actually yesterday afternoon, but Pat McAfee, it was actually today, I should say, Pat McAfee gets his weekly visit with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers goes off on everybody who's talking about his Darkness retreat. Remember that was a big story last week. I do. Week? Yes. Been like he's going to go on a darkness retreat, shut himself off from any kind of stimulation, anything else outside influences, and then he may render a decision about his future with Green Bay. Goes on Pat McAfee's show Tuesday, and he says, "Well, you know what? Ian Rappaport and Schefter—they're nice guys, but they don't know anything about my personal life. They have no link to my inner circle, and wherever they're getting their information, he goes, it's complete BS." Wow. Okay. Uh, well, listen, they know a lot of guys. They talk to a lot of guys. They talk to agents, et cetera. I don't know, man. I mean, listen, Aaron goes out there and he says a lot of things, Mike, and then, you know, people do their research and people find out stuff. Right. I'm not going to say everything is, is nonsense that these guys put out there, but I do think Aaron puts out enough 
to tease right. you, right? And that's why we've always said, is he just is he just messing with us with some of the stuff that seems so outlandish? Some of the homeopathic Is he in a dark room, by the way? Yeah. You know, yet? Has that I, happened? I don't know. The, the homeopathic stuff, the way he talked about his own, you know, anecdote or whatever he was talking about, you know, with the vaccine back uh, a year and a half ago. There's an inner circle, and in my inner circle, nobody talks to Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter. Any of those people. Just stop with the fake news. He goes, I have no problem with those guys. I think they're really good at their jobs. When it comes to me, they don't know blank. They really don't. They don't have people in my inner circle. Anybody who would talk to them is not in my inner circle. So wherever you're getting your information, it's false information. Fake news. Okay. Um, I'll take it for what it is. Um, I don't think they've reported, maybe I'm wrong about this, Mm. Chris Bo, anything outside of what he's told us. I don't think Ian or, for that matter, Schefter, and those are two guys he uses as an example, but there are other football insiders that are, that are covering the San Rogers stuff. Mike, that he's, they've said something about this yeah. situation. They haven't traded him before he's gotten traded. They haven't put information out there that was necessarily not true in regards to the situation with the Packers. They yeah. are contemplating a trade. That is true. That's not false. Right. So whether it comes from Aaron's camp or not, I don't think they're saying anything that's necessarily – wrong about where he's at right now with the pack. Oh, he wasn't done. How many blanking narratives can come from one show where they didn't even actually listen to what I said? I guess talked, that was last week, talking about his darkness retreat. Yeah. Well, you told us you were going to right. a dark room and being right. fed through a hole. So, I mean, what part of that did these guys get wrong? If somebody commented on it, you said it. You said it. So, anyway, Aaron Rodgers continues to uh, mystify a lot of folks. And, like, has he always been this flaky? I don't know. Or is he getting weirder as he gets older? Like, your definition of weird, too, by the way, because I guess some people <laughs> do go sit in a dark room for four days before they make a big decision. Hey, what are we shooting down these days? We had four uh, balloons shot down. The first big one we all knew was from China. And then there's been a couple more. We shot two things down over Alaska, and then we shot something down over Lake Huron in the Great Lakes. Yeah, I, I think we've been doing this. I, I'm just saying. Well, if you guys think this is happening all of a sudden and now this is a phenomenon in 2023, we've been doing this. Well, they just haven't told us. Article in the LA Times says apparently at any given time, there are literally thousands of balloons floating around America and North America. Now, <laughs> but this could be anything from real weather balloons. Which, Again, if you ever watched, there was a TV show from you guys were, weren't even born yet. It was called Project Blue Book. And it was, I think it was on NBC. And they would basically go and be investigating UFO stuff. It was like, yes. And these two Air Force officers would go and every single time. No, ma'am, what you saw was a weather balloon, and uh, there was some gas. It's kind of like what they said in Men in Black, right? You saw some swamp gas, life right reflected. Now look right here. So so in this case, people are saying, yes, they've always been a lot of balloons. Obviously, the China one was a major, obviously, challenge to us, and now maybe we've gone the other way and overreacted because when they over Lake Huron, apparently the pilots are going, can you see this thing? I can't see this thing. So some people are saying there's a lot of balloons out there, and it could be the Navy just shut down. Uh, Sally's science project from like somewhere in Michigan because they it, they don't know where it came from. They don't know where these things are coming from. But apparently, there's a lot of stuff that's out there. Yeah, I, I do know. Didn't the Pentagon come out recently and say it's not aliens because they didn't want to scare well, the hell out of everybody? See, that's, that's the thing. Because <laughs> now remember, four years ago, and the video just got released or whatever it was of these high speed objects that are off by our aircraft carriers. Oh yeah, and we've got this unbelievable video, and then people are saying, "Well, for the love of God, let's not have Independence Day. We shoot the wrong thing, and they come and kill us." <laughs> That would be the the problem. Well, first of all, i got to be honest with you guys. If we are attempting to shoot anything down, I don't even know if our technology is going to shoot anything down that's visiting Earth, okay? That's number one. Yeah, they have a force field on that. Yeah, we've seen too many movies, Mike. But no, man, listen, don't you think, seriously, don't you think this has been going on? Um, Well, I think 
China's been screwing with us for years, and the Russians might be doing it too. And who knows? Maybe we're sending balloons mm-hmm. over there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But now, because we like, let's be honest, most of us were like, how'd they let this thing go all the way? It was, it was maybe, maybe we've overreacted because a lot of folks said, why don't we blow that thing up over Montana? What's it going to hit? Nothing. There's yeah. nothing out there. I know they're, and they're over the missile bases. And I was like, you know, a little something screwy here. But now I think they're probably overcorrecting. Now we're just shooting everything down. Yeah, but I also think. <laughs> but, but so I hope we don't blast E.T. as he's coming by to see Elliot. But don't you think, too, as we talk about this, Falcon Report's on the way. It's a uh, guy talk. Mike, don't you think, though, if it's a if it's mm-hmm. national, if it affects our national right. security, they're going to take care of it. Yes, and again, also airlines, if there's things that's floating around at 35 to 40,000 yeah. feet, you can't yeah. have that. So anyway, be careful out there. <laughs> and, and if you're a kid and you go to the uh, you go to Spencer's Gifts or Publix and you get a bunch of balloons, be careful because... <laughs> You're going to let him go. If you get carried off, Maverick <laughs> might be coming for you, pal. Hey, man, how much money do you think was bet on the Super Bowl this year, knowing that we've had more states around the country, including Arizona, where it was held, with legalized gambling and apps and digital? How much money? A hundred mil? $16 billion was projected to come in this year wow. in the Super Bowl. How about that? And it's everything from places where you can bet in New York and Connecticut. Obviously, we can't do it here. You got apps. But how about that? And apparently, the House won because 60% of the money was on Philadelphia. Mm. So mo- most of the bets were Eagle-centric. Prop bets, of course, we talked about. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they said that the, most of the money uh, in the weeks leading up, and, of course, uh, a big big bets were placed. A lot of stories were written about somebody in uh, L.A. placed a million-dollar bet last minute on the uh, Eagles. Either way, 60% of the handle at most books was riding on the Eagles. And uh, a lot of folks took a lot of big bets for Mahomes. A lot of money was waged on Patrick Mahomes at plus 130 to be the Super Bowl MVP. Okay. And that's easy money. It was. I mean, we knew it was going to be one mm. of these. We felt like it was going to be one of these quarterbacks who played. They both played great. By the right. way, somebody asked me today, they said, if, it, if Jalen Hurts got the MVP, would you guys have been upset? No. No, I mean, i got to be honest. I could have given the MVP to C.J. Stroud in the, the Peach Bowl. Yeah. For what he was doing. Hey, one last nugget on the Super Bowl. Chris played the audio earlier for guys who missed it. A lot of hullabaloo now. More people saying, what the heck happened to the field? We talked to Chuck Smith about it. Eagles defensive ends falling down. The field was trash. It got even worse after Rihanna's halftime show. Take a listen. Basically, the halftime show, which basically spanned the entire field, it compressed the grass, it heated it up, and it got it slick. So... It basically increased the moisture in the grass because it didn't allow it to breathe because it pressed down on the grass. Classic. And then you, you take the halftime show off the grass, and it's kind of a little bit wetter. And in mm. the third quarter, everybody was sliding around. So there you go. So it just it was that bad. The logo area, people are saying, how can you ever, ever put a Super Bowl back in Arizona if you can't get the field right? So stay tuned for that one. I know, man. And that stadium's cool. I mean, there's so much to do out there with the Waste Management Tournament. Oh, it's a on perfect location. It, it is. I just think nobody, nobody, with all these person, people who are responsible for the field, Mike, nobody said, hey. Right. Rehearsal. This this grass looks kind of wet here. <laughs> Nobody saw I mean, it. But what are they going to do? Get a big bunch of blow dryers out there? Yes, you, you could have got you, those big you, blowers. You bring a helicopter into the hole in the roof. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick, uh, for golf fans, big news. I mean, if he can make the cut, we'll see. Tiger Woods, with all the issues he's had with his back, with his knees, with everything, the car accident, he's going to try to play at Riviera this week. Yeah, he said. And and they were, uh, th- by the way, this is the first event that he's done with no cart. Okay? Right. Um. He doesn't want an exception to to have to deal with that. He said, if I'm going to play PGA Tour events, I want to play them. Right. So he's going to walk, and he's going to do what you need to do. Mike, it's his event. This is You go back a few years ago, this was the event he was at right. leaving Correct. and then had the accident. Yep, Riviera, man, beautiful course, a lot of hills. I mean, it's beautiful over there, oh, north of Malibu. 
It'll be very interesting. John Rahm was asked about it. says, wow, when they found out last week that Tiger was coming, he goes, of course. So, <laughs> a lot of guys betting on the come. Hey, and one final note, happy Valentine's Day. We talked about it earlier with Squid Billy. Uh, Squid Billy and Carl railing against the commercialization of Valentine's Day and men being forced to buy chocolate and flowers today against their will. Yeah, because there's no... What's the word, Mike? Where you give back? Oh. Reciprocity? Thank you, Mike! There's no reciprocity! Well, no, one could argue if you guys do something romantic today, you will get some reciprocity tonight. Or you just... When does that happen? Well, not in my house. The damn dog sleeps on the bed, and he gives me kettle cough, and I sound like this. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen. What were you going to say, Sorry, Bob? we're good husbands 365 days out of the year. You're exactly so right. So we don't need Valentine's Day to make up for it. Guys... Uh, it was a madhouse at Publix watching these guys at lunchtime grabbing flowers and cards. She's in the card rack. It literally looked like the 82nd Airport had whipped through there. Oh, I know, man. Everybody's like, I got to get this. All right, we're coming back. Happy Valentine's Day, though. Take care of the, the person you love. Coming up, we're going to talk about our Falcons. Um, there is something we need to discuss, and we'll mm. do it next on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.